Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD for September 25th, 2019. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me in the studio today is Evan Medeiros, founder of The Trade Risk. Thanks for being here, Evan. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. On today's podcast, we will talk about the current markets, automating your trading process, and then we will end the episode with some current stocks. So let's start off with the current markets. We are currently under pressure. The, the markets have been pretty volatile the last couple of days with a lot of the news going on with the, the president in Ukraine. Sure. Uh, four distribution days on both the NASDAQ and S&P, so that's starting to collect there. Yep. Um, but the overall index indexes are they're holding up well. There's, they, they got back above the 50. The NASDAQ got back above the 50. Sure. They're within new highs, but a lot of these former leaders that did so well in the first half of the year, they're getting crushed. Totally. Yeah, totally. You saw it last week, last two weeks. Uh, really, some of those leaders started to break down. But I still, you know, I, I still find that the market is holding up yeah. and breath overall is still kind of hanging in there. Uh, so we're kind of consolidating under that resistance and we're waiting to kind of see, is it a rotation, yeah. you know, from those growth assets into perhaps defensive or energy or financials maybe. Um, and uh, that's kind of where we are right now. It's, it seems like it's like a choppy place where you sort of have to defend and, and perhaps maybe raise some cash. Right. Um, but um, we're still holding. We're still holding. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, particularly this week, on how we finish out and how we finish out the month. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it's amazing with all the bad news that's come out or all this really disturbing news that's come out over the last couple of months. These markets are within striking distance of all-time highs. Yeah, so. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy to see just you know one percent away from highs or two percent. That's it, right? Yeah. And, and we both know like that can happen in one day right. where we're just suddenly like, oh, it's back on. We're we're back at highs. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see. Definitely, and and so yeah, as you mentioned that there, it, it, there is has been a clear rotation from a lot of the technology stocks more towards retail and energy. Yep. And so maybe that's the new batch of leaders that can lead us higher. We're going to have to just wait and see. Now, really, the key is in these kind of choppy markets, as Evan mentioned, you don't want to be aggressive at this point. It's, it's more defending. Yeah, raise some cash if you need to. And, and you probably have had to over the last uh, few weeks if you've been in some of these uh, fast-moving tech stocks. Um, and then, you know, be patient. Yep. Let, let things really set up. And then let the market slowly pull you in. I, I, that's that's one thing that I've learned the hard way. Don't you don't really have to put everything at once into the market. Um, if if this the, for the next rally, it's going to give you plenty of opportunities over those uh, first three four weeks. Totally, yeah, totally. I think I think your guest last week, Mark, uh, you Mark know, he, yep. yeah, absolutely. He had a great quote where the market gives you feedback, yes, right? And yes. and I think that's like the this is the perfect spot where the market is giving you that feedback, getting stopped out or perhaps not getting those setups. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if and and that Evan brings up a great point here. If if in the beginning of the year, a lot of the stocks that you bought, they're working well, right? You were making money, you're making progress. Now over the last few months, a lot of decisions, at least for me, they have worked not very well. Right. It, it's like I, I, I am convinced I am snake bin <laughs> because everything I touch just blows up the yeah. next day, right? And so when you're in that kind of environment, sure, you have to get that feedback, listen to the feedback, and say, okay, let me slow down, let me reduce my position sizes, I'm going to have raise some cash, I'm not going to be aggressive, get off margin, all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and then wait till you kind of get back in step with the market. Totally. 
Yeah. And so, so with that said, Evan, let's go into how you got started because it, it's a great story and. Uh, it's, uh, it's. I think we, in many ways, shared a similar kind of path. We were, we were both went from the technical side of, yes. of in software, and then we started love trading, and and then and then we kind of veered off in this direction, um, going more really towards our passion. So, so yeah, why, why don't you walk us through that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so I bought my first stock when I was in college, and I transitioned really from uh, the online poker space. Yeah. So I used to play uh, a ton of, of poker online and and really taking the game seriously. Um, used to play, I think, eight to 14 tables at once uh, <laughs> online. Uh, real, yeah, too much probably. Yeah, I guess that is uh, I, I remember in, in college taking a final exam and having one table on the side, still like, you know, taking an exam and still playing one, no. po- one table of poker. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was, you know, I didn't necessarily do it, uh, you know, just for the fun and having drinks and, you know, that type of real recreational. I was taking it very seriously in the sense of buying all the books I could, learning all the odds. Yeah. Um, you know, back then, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was really prepping myself well for the stock market yes. and for trading. Yep. Um, they used to have, back in the day, the, the the poker HUDs, and they would show you all the statistics on your opponents. And you could actually see things like the percentage that uh, a, a, a opponent would um, fold to a three bet. Okay. And you can use that information, right? And you can take a very data-driven approach yeah. to actually playing the game of online poker. So um, that's what I did for basically paying my bills through college was online poker. And the transition happened back in 2008 or nine. Of course, we had the financial crisis happening, right. but that right. didn't matter to me. It was all, you <laughs> know, poker true. was what I was interested right. in. You had a financial crisis of your own. Though. Exactly. And, and, and it was the fact that the big poker stars full tilt were getting uh, sort of ejected out of the U.S. markets. They could no longer accept U.S. players. So, you know, I had all this time and research and energy that I was spending in this game of poker suddenly all free up and I said, oh man, I can't play online. I don't want yeah. to go to a casino because that's, you know. Well, for one second, did you think yeah. that maybe I should move to another country where it's still legal? Did you ever consider that? I thought about it. Yeah, uh, yeah I did actually, but um, it just didn't make sense at the time. And I was thinking about, you know, VPNs, like how can I get around this? And, you know, too bad crypto was a little more advanced because I could probably start using that. Um, but that really made me think like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And it was really through some of the forums and poker friends that I had. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those guys at the time were like, well, I guess it's back to the stock market. So and, and at the time, I, you know, I knew what the stock market was, but I had yeah. no idea like this is the same or this is similar. Like that didn't register with me uh, until, yeah, 08, 09, I kind of pulled off of the online poker and really got the bug for trading and, and yeah. bought my first stock uh, in, in 09. What was, what was the first stock you bought? First, uh, so the first stock I bought was, it's funny enough, it was JetBlue. I know <laughs> and, and it was totally the buy what you know. Yeah, or, you know yeah. I, mean? I love JetBlue. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Especially I mean, back then. They're the only ones on the TVs. At yeah, that time, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. We'd, we'd always fly as a family or if I yeah. had to go anywhere, it was JetBlue on the East Coast. And um, yeah, that was the first stock I bought. So it was um, it was really a buy which you, you sort of know and, and and transition that way, uh, and then I quickly kind of got the bug for technical day trading. I just yeah. jumped right into the fire of day trading because you know I was doing a lot of hands playing poker, yes. you know, and I was like, well, sitting with JetBlue isn't that exciting, right. um, but if I could be in and out of the markets and really kind of accumulating occurrences, that's where I want to be. Right. Um, so unfortunately, at the time, I wish I had the the, the the experience to understand 
where prices were on just a relative basis, Seriously. right? 2008, 2009, the best right. buying opportunity probably, maybe I'll see, uh, who knows, but um, I wish I just held those stocks. <laughs> oh, no, no, going no. Into the we trading, all do. Right? Of yeah. course, yeah, totally, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, that was that was really the transition was around that time. And and, and so how, how did you learn about technical analysis? What what were some of the books that, that you got into yeah. at that point? Yeah, yeah. So funny enough, and, and, and I know he gets some grief, but Jim Cramer. Uh, okay. Jim Cramer was one of the first uh, that, I, that, that I transitioned yeah. into because, uh, again, I didn't really know about the stock market, but I knew there was this guy yelling on the TV, like <laughs> uh, pushing buttons and, and running around. And uh that was one of the first names that came into my head. So I bought uh, a couple of his books and uh, William O'Neill, How to Make Money in Stocks. is yep. literally the probably the third, second, third book I bought, um, which was a great choice, uh, you know, to, to really kind of go down that technical side. But those those really sort of got me started. Um, and uh, yeah, and then um, I think over the time I have, I don't do any day trading anymore. Yeah. Uh, it, it sort of, it, it aged me, I'm sure. <laughs> just It's just an intense... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a competitive landscape to be in uh, in the very short term. Um, but uh, it seems now that I'm more on the swing trading, longer term side um, and uh, more of a quantitative approach to trading. OK. And and so now so now day trading, you would close all your positions by the end of the day. Yes. Right. Now, how long do you, on average, hold your positions? Yeah, so I hold uh, for about a week or two, all the way up to two months. Okay. Um, so yeah, I try and um, try and settle into some positions, and I feel like every year that goes by, I I make less trades per year, and I and I kind of extend that time frame. Makes um, sense. Maybe it's the bull market we're in. You know, maybe I'll have to adapt if we start seeing some crazy volatility that really sits. Right. Um, but for now, that um, that seems like a sweet spot to me. Uh, not not adrenaline chasing, staring pre-market after hours, trading earnings, you know, all that stuff. Leave that behind and take a little more relaxed approach. Yeah, and uh, and and Jesse Livermore said it said, said it best. It's not the it's not the thinking, right? It's the sitting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, really, you have to be there at the right time, and then just let the market uh, work for you. Yeah. Uh, so the indices are near new all highs, uh, but remember, underneath the surface, there are a lot of growth stocks that have gotten hit. So Make sure you're managing your risk, just like Evan was talking about. The, it, it, the risk, it doesn't matter between stocks or Porco, right? You, you need to have uh, a, a risk management plan in place totally. to make sure you don't go broke. Uh, so let's take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk with Evan about automating your trading process. Stay tuned. Whether it's fear, greed, hope, or pride, To become a successful investor, you need to know how to overcome these four emotions when your money is on the line. Join us for a free IBD webinar on October 8th, featuring special guests Scott O'Neill and Chris Gessel. They'll show you how to fix bad stock market habits you may not even realize you've adopted. Go to Investors.com slash webinar to register today. Evan Medeiros is our guest on Investing with IBD. Okay, Evan, let's talk about automating your trading process. And I think the first thing to do is, why should people consider Mm. automating their process? Yeah, so um, there's a couple of benefits. Uh, Really, the the biggest, I think, is um, getting a a rules-based approach and really kind of hammering it down. Mm Because putting it to paper, putting it in code, um, that really can clarify your thinking. And and I think the other benefit really is uh, the, the, the ability to review 
your decision making and results uh, after the fact, yeah. right? So if you have uh, an automation process or just again a, a very rules based process, um, you can you can see very clearly what has worked and what hasn't, and you yeah. can make adjustments and you can make informed decisions. Um, about your process going forward. Yeah. So yeah, automation and, and putting it. Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's a great great uh, direction to be in. So a much more scientific approach versus the shoot from from the hip, go by the gut kind of emotional kind of approach. Totally, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and and you know to be clear, like I, I don't think we all have to be quants. I don't think we should. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, they're totally can be an art to trading. Um, I think just, uh, you know, if you had the spectrum of kind of zero to 100, I think you probably want to be closer to the, the quantitative side, just again, for the for the clarity of documentation and to analyze those results. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely think, um, you know, with the experience, you know, if you've been trading for 10, 15 years, that's a lot of intuition and experience. And the pattern recognition of the human, it still hasn't caught up, you know, in terms of, of what computers can do. So leverage the technology, but uh, the art of actually, you know, that intuition is still important. Okay. Can you give some examples about just quant or, or just quantitative that, that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, sure. So so in that uh, respect, I'm really just thinking of a, a 100% data-driven approach. So essentially, it doesn't matter what you or I think about the chart. Yeah. Uh, it's really what is what is the data telling me and what is the historic data? What has happened in these situations yeah. uh, to actually plan your trades and, you know, sells, buys, everything uh, based on those, based on past data? So, so for instance, a breakout, maybe using that as a buy signal or pullback, you're going to use the data to tell you for each different type of stock that that's a better thing or your style, you do better at breakouts than, than pullbacks, things like that. Yeah, I think you could do both, okay. right? So it depends on how you'd want to, to, to sort of crunch the numbers. But yeah. certainly, yeah, you could run a test to say, okay, what happens when I buy uh, a new 30-day breakout, yeah. right? And then, of course, this opens up a tremendous amount of questions because where are you going to sell? Are you going to take profits? Are you going to manage risk? Like, there's there's just a wide range of, of sort of uh, ways that that could unfold. Yeah. Uh, but I think looking at things to say, okay, if I buy a 30-day breakout, uh, what are the odds it goes up five? How many times does it go up 5% versus falling 5%? And you can start to run these tests and start to say, okay, it gives you an inclination about stop losses. It gives you an inclination about success ratio, perhaps. Um, and again, they're all building blocks where you can start to uh, inform your decision making. And of course, we know this is all backwards looking, right? right. So yeah. markets are dynamic. They're never going to be the same. Right. They'll certainly rhyme, but we'll always have different ways of sort of the way the markets unfold. So we have to take everything with a grain of salt, but yeah. it's sort of the best we have, right? Yeah. Is to look at the past, what has happened, maybe that can inform our future decisions. Right. And, and a lot of times with backtesting, you want to usually set 30% aside to just chance, right? Yeah. It was just that unique environment. Totally. Uh, because, and that's one of those traps of backtesting, right? It's 100%. like people think they found the like, holy grail. Right. And then they try to apply it in the current markets, and then it, it just completely works the opposite way. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Uh, curve fitting or yes. really optimizing your backtest is a bad idea yeah. because there's there's always going to be a result that looks best. Yep. There, there's, there's always a perfect solution you can find. But if you have to really nail down some weird parameters and, and you know, if you tweak one thing and the whole thing falls apart, it's probably a bad idea that yeah. it's probably not a way you'd want to go up, you know, forward type of thing. 
So how long? Uh, so so after you come up with a, a strategy based on back testing, yeah. How long do you test it in real time in the in the real markets to to get an idea that okay this is this is working or ah, this is not working? Maybe I need to go back and adjust some of the variables. Yeah, totally. Um, well, as, as as long as you're willing to as more as patient as you can be, yeah. the better. Um, but it it depends on the type of system too. So if you're, for instance, uh, looking to um, develop and backtest on a day trading strategy. Yeah. That might trade 10, 15 times a day. That sees a lot of occurrences, a lot of market regime shifts in, in that strategy. Yeah. Maybe you only need a month, right? Okay. You know, uh, 100 or 200 trades. Maybe that'll give you enough confidence to perhaps allocate some real small amount or make some adjustments. If you're doing a longer term swing trading, position trading, trend following, anything longer, you may need to wait a year. You know, you, you might need to wait a good amount of time. You might need to honestly. go through like a whole cycle. Totally. Right. Yeah. If you really want to be confident in it. Yeah. Um, that's the scary part. And um, and again, it's one of those things where it still there's no guarantee. So right. you waited a year and then, you know, it didn't work out. And then you're like, oh, back to the drawing board. And so so it's it's a tricky process. But uh, again, it's, it's a way to... Um, you know, inform your decision making and try and do this as responsible as possible. What are some of your favorite strategies that that you've seen over the last number of years now, or, yeah. or that a little you, you found at least for yourself? Sure. Because a lot of times it's it's different, right? The, for depending on the personalities, 100%. you know, who can handle what type of volatility. But what what are some of the strategies that work? best for you. Sure, sure. Um, I think over the years, probably the biggest adjustment in strategies for me is that I've been trading a lot more reversals and pullbacks okay. rather than breakouts. That makes sense. Uh, and again, it partly has to do with my time frame of like that one week to maybe a month and a half. Yeah. Um, it is a little more nimble. It's a little quicker. Yeah. Um, so for me, I found that, um, I mean, breakouts are still great. I still trade them, um, but you really need the market environment at your back, yes. right? Um, so in sideways markets or in things where th we're still kind of choppy, 2015 comes to mind. I mean, even the past year and a half, this really. This year actually is kind of reminding me a little totally. bit of 2015. 100 percent. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is the type of market environment where perhaps you're finding more success, waiting for that stock to pull back five, six, seven days into some support and looking for that type of move. So I think a little more mean reversion reversals. That's yeah. kind of where uh, I've more transitioned to, at least again, for my time frame. So for, for kind of the key support areas, are you looking more on a price level or are you moving averages? I, I tend to like uh, price levels. Okay. Uh, that's what I use most. Um, I like moving averages to sort of get a gauge of momentum or trend still. Yeah. Um, but what, what, Which moving averages do you generally focus um, on? So for me, it'd still be pretty quick. So I like one month and three month moving okay. averages. Uh, so 21 day and maybe like a 63 day. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Um, but I like the, the, yeah, the time series that lines up on a week or month or multi-month basis uh, yeah. and then support and resistance on a on a price level is is a lot of what I like to use okay yeah okay now wh what are some of the other benefits for the automating this trading process yeah so I think uh, I've been fascinated over the past couple of years with um, really trying to minimize the amount of discretionary decision making that I input yeah. into the system but yeah. also just the time yeah. I'm putting into the system because we all our times valuable, right? We could be building a business or working a salary, earning a salary, friends and family, making meaningful connections. So, you know, if you have to spend 
you know, 40 hours a week and you're underperforming the market or, you know, it, it just, there's the trade-off there. So for me, I think it's um, removing myself from the strategy and really freeing up time. I think that, uh, again, for automation-wise is pretty important. And again, you don't have to be a software developer. Uh, you, you can do things like, um, you know, price alerts with your, with your provider. I mean, just, you don't have to stare at a screen for a breakout. Right. You can just let technology tell you, you know, okay, this is breaking out, yep. you know, come back from the gym and, and put this trade on, right? Seriously. Like, yeah. Um, good to cancel orders with your broker, like bracket your trade, stop loss and target at one time. There, there's lots of little like things that can really like free up time. Um, and I think traders should easily take advantage of those low hanging fruit. Yeah. I, I, I always tell people that you just have to be there at the right time totally. when, when, when it's giving your buy signal, either a breakout or a pullback. Then after that, you don't want to be around too much because the more you watch uh, the charts, the tough. more you watch the market, you're going to find a reason to get out of that stock. 100%. And, and it's amazing. And in even like time frames, like I'll, I'll look at a lot of daily charts, mm -hmm. but I'm always better off, and I think most people are better off looking at weekly charts mm -hmm. because that's giving the truer picture. Even monthly charts are great too if, if you want to hold them longer, right? Absolutely. So you have to kind of keep all of that. But it's funny. I, uh, one, one thing I, I also say is that you know, you're not going to be able to find these great stocks and you're not going to buy them properly with a chart. Right. You're not going to really, really do well or capture huge gains on some of these stocks or these monster stocks that are a big winner if you're using a chart too because they can scare you out of these things very easily. 100%. Yeah. Locking in profits early. Everybody, I'm guilty of that. That's probably, yeah. I can get out of things quick, but yes. it's the, you know, I got to remember not to get out of them too early when they're, when they're working. It's, it's very difficult. And, yeah. and so I think your suggestions on, on kind of automating this and, and sending some price alerts, even just that simple kind of place where you let the price alerts yeah. tell you, okay, now let me look at those stocks. That that you'll you'll find that you're trading less. You're yeah. going to be a little bit happier. You're going to be happier. Totally. And 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 most likely your your uh, your progress is going to be better too. Totally agree. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit more of some of the the advanced uh, strategies that that you might incorporate. Now you work with clients on on some of these uh, strategies, and you help them backtest and build their own strategies. You know, yeah. what are some of those? kind of advanced things that you may suggest to them? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, it depends on how advanced you want to go, but um, really uh, the the primary swing trading strategy and process that I run now, there's there's a little bit of discretion involved, uh, yeah. probably about a 5%, 10% wiggle room. But um, one of the more advanced things that I sort of just finished and polished up for myself is is kind of the fully uh, full trade manager. So as soon as I put that position on, just like you say, I can just totally walk away. I don't have to think about it. I have to look it at it. It automatically sets all the stops and, and to the upside and the downside, or all the sells, the upside and Absolutely, downside. Absolutely, yeah. So it, it has in there the coordinates of where we should be you know, scaling some profit out trailing a stop. It's yeah. doing everything in there. Uh, yeah. It's programmed, you know, partly from backtesting and modeling. Uh, but then from my intuition, my experience and the results that I've accumulated over the years. So it's got kind of my intuition as best as possible baked into the code. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's it's doing the work for me. So um, it really just frees up a lot of mental capital and, and I can either work on other strategies or I can, uh, again, just document results and make adjustments uh, kind of going forward. Yeah. Uh, what, what about stock selection? Do you, do you automate totally. that too? Or so are you letting the screens tell you what stocks to get into or are you using more your intuition and experience? Yeah. There? So so that is where I have a little bit of blend of both. Okay. So I definitely have very rigid um, criteria that I'm looking for in my stock screens. 
And once I get that result back, once I see the stocks that are coming back from those screens, I'm applying a little discretion at that point. Part of it is kind of just the make sure uh, there's no earnings coming up and there's no other announcements or anything like that, just to make sure that that's all in the clear. Um, but the other part is just kind of pulling up the chart and making sure that all of the uh, quantitative you know, uh, criteria that I wanted to see makes sense or is in the right place on the chart if that makes sense. So just making sure kind of reward to risk is there, like yeah. everything kind of maps out. Uh, and I sort of put my stamp of approval on it at that point. And then it goes into the trade manager pipeline and off it goes. I just wait for the results at that point. Uh, so yeah, so totally have um, scans that are built out, but uh, just a little bit of oversight in that process. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that that's a, a I, I, I'm always been a, fa a favor of just the hybrid approach. Totally. Because th that's where you're going to let your experience exactly really say hey, wait that doesn't look right i don't know why and it, it somehow came through because screening is very very important sure but you're always going to have some things that are just going to come through the screens that aren't right 100 and so you're, you're kind of the, the last step in that yep removing the emotions in trading is critical and automating the process is a great way to accomplish this coming up next evan and i will discuss three stocks that are trying to set up in this market so stay tuned Want to find stocks like the ones on this podcast? A lot of the best names we talk about come from IBD's exclusive stock lists, like the IBD 50 and the Big Cap 20. Whatever type of investor you are, we got a list for you. You can access every one of IBD's lists, plus stock ratings, exclusive analysis, and one-on-one -on -one coaching with a membership to IBD Digital. It costs less than a dollar a day, but for podcast listeners, we're offering an even better price. Go to Investors.com slash podcast offer right now and get your first two months for only $20. We are back with Evan Medeiros. So Evan, let's get into some current stocks that are hanging in there. They're pretty near new highs in, in this market. And the first stock is a classic one, Google. But you know, it's, it's one that out of all the Fang stocks, you know, and Fang did so well the last uh, the last few years. Mm -hmm. uh, this was the one Fang stock that didn't really <laughs> really do well. Right. But now they, they seem to be uh, hanging in there, uh, and they're they're within striking distance of new highs. Totally. Yeah, Google is one that uh, just hit my scans again uh, over the past couple of weeks. It's one that I haven't traded or looked at in a while. Yeah. Uh, it's just like you say, it just kind of went sleeping and didn't go anywhere. Um, and it still arguably is kind of in this um, quiet phase of, of mostly going sideways since yep. 2018, the start. Uh, but it is starting to work back up now, and uh, this was this is a current position for me uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, and I, I picked it up as it started to resolve the August range higher, um, and uh, I, I like it kind of over that 1200 level, but it's it's kind of grinding up here. I'm glad there was no follow through selling today um, to yesterday's uh, kind of bearish engulfing candle there. Yeah. So I like the fact that it kind of turned around here and uh, is is getting closer to its highs, and the fact that it has gone no where for you know 18 months or, or whatever the exact time is, uh, is is kind of a benefit here because we do have a lot of kind of pent up energy potentially in this right. stock. So for me as a swing trader, um, this was a, a recent entry holding on here. Uh, and honestly, I mean, I probably would be you know a small seller up there as it retests those prior highs. Okay. Just, just my strategy. Just to take um, some off the table. Just to take right. some off the table because who knows if that breakout fails and and it's been fickle for the past couple of uh, years now. So. Yeah. Um, 
let's let it prove itself um, and uh, and hopefully it can break out and I'd love to, to keep a piece into it so when you said about the the August range right there you're you're, you, you're talking about just within August when it was trading between 1209 and 1150 and so as it emerged out of that on September 5th that's where that's where okay bingo starting to to change a little character let's start to enter in the position here absolutely yeah yeah exactly that that was the uh, the rationale behind it momentum starting to pick back up again um, and again it still needed to prove itself but it is holding in there um, you know I know there are a couple of names kind of like Facebook there are a few others in that spot that all started to try and pick up but yeah. even those a little faltered a little bit and Google seems seems pretty sturdy here, but but who knows? It still has plenty to prove. Yeah, it, it's a, a large cap stock, yep. tech stock. Now, from an earnings level, it, it's uh, it's decreased over the last few quarters. The sales have been pretty steady, but it has flown under the radar for so long that I wouldn't be surprised that if it kind of gets maybe the catalyst is an earnings kind of report or something like that, but. Um, that it actually kind of surprises everyone, and all of a sudden does things. They're obviously they're they're working on a lot of sure. crazy things oh, yeah. in the background. It's not just search, right? Yep. And so maybe one of those uh, other things that they've they've been working on takes off. So it's definitely one to always keep an eye on because it's one of the the, the beasts out there. Totally. Yep. So let's go to the second stock, and this is actually a cloud stock that's holding up well in this market. It, it's very unusual, and it's yep. Proofpoint, mm-hmm. uh, ticker symbol PFPT. And they're, they're security stock, uh, and uh, they're involved in that whole business. And what's kind of interesting that stuck out to me here is uh, half of the Fortune 100 companies are our customers of, of this. Oh, no yeah, so so they, they, they've, uh, they've made some pretty good inroads uh, within some of the larger companies out there. Uh, and on a chart level, they, they've been uh, setting up pretty well too. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 as good as you could find out there. I mean, this this has really been uh, kind of nonstop to the upside since its IPO um, back in, I think, 2012. Uh, but it is just bumping up against uh, these prior all-time highs. This 130 level, I think, goes back to 2018. And uh, it hasn't broken out kind of like Google. It's developed in this big range here sideways. But like you say, uh, most of the high-momentum growth names, they've been really getting hit hard yeah. uh, over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And this definitely... Uh, is showing some relative strength here. So this would be kind of a breakout setup um, and uh, no position here, but I'm just kind of watching this to see uh, if this can actually get some momentum and get some type of catalyst over this $130 level. Uh, I would like to be a buyer of, you know, into strength here um, if this can get going. But um, who knows? We, you know, still has to prove itself, but um, it is a pretty good looking candidate here. Yeah, the, the last quarter, they, they the, the March quarter, they had 13% uh, on an earnings per share basis, and they jumped up to 64%. Yep. Uh, so it's so a little momentum there. They've been pretty steady with the sales. Um, and what's interesting about this on a technical level, I'm looking at a weekly chart here on MarketSmith, mm-hmm. uh, the the bases are all kind of tightening up. Uh, uh, from last year, they had a really big cup with handle. Yep. The depth of that was 41%. So it corrected 41% there. Then the next cup with handle it formed, it was 22%. And now this most current one is 17%. So there seems to be some buying underneath that are mm-hmm. just slowly absorbing all the shares that mm-hmm. are available at that mm-hmm. price. I, I love to see like the, the tightening of, of those ranges and base on base. I, I like that action. Um, just really can define your risk as a trader, right? So, right. Um, but yeah, totally agree. Uh, 130, 129.50, that area, that seems like the magic one. 
So that's another one to uh, take a look at and at your watch list. Uh, and the final stock is uh, it's not a tech stock. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it is Toro Company and ticker symbol TTC. And as everyone knows, these guys are a landscaping company and they make a lot of equipment uh, to do that. And uh, they ha- they do have an interesting uh, a chart that's slowly setting up. They've been. It's, it's kind of interesting. They have uh, a big kind of, well, a decent cup with handle over the mm-hmm. last few months. Then they have this really large base that's been going on for, what, two and a half years or two years it's or so? Crazy. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, this $75 area seems where it's been stumbling since, yeah, 2017. Um, and, yeah, it's not a tech name. It is in the industrial sector. But uh, it is, in terms of relative strength, it's holding up. It's kind of basing underneath that resistance. Uh, it is got a smaller size float as well, which is interesting. So that could really start to move if it if it starts to break that uh, resistance area. But uh, I like the fact that it's tight. It's basing under resistance. Again, nice, well-defined risk, clear levels. That's what I like to see, um, but it still needs to prove itself. So no position here yet. It's just kind of a, a name that uh, is on the watch list uh, for a potential breakout. When you say well-defined risk, what what would you consider the risk to, to be here uh, for Toro? Well, I think uh, you'd have well-defined risk once the breakout happens. Okay. So as soon as that breakout actually gets underway, um, I mean, that's why that's the beauty of breakout setups for sure, um, is that if you're playing for a breakout, then that's your rationale is that it is exiting that. That old range and it is starting to trend and hopefully you know enter a markup phase and so if we can start to get over that 75 um, we have that area to use and then we even have these recent lows here around 71 72 dollars um, if you want to give it a little more room but of course that'll be up to your strategy and, and how much wiggle room you want to give it uh, but yeah it's it's one that uh, again we'll see if this market rotates here and industrials maybe they'll get some some love here on the next rotation after some of these growth names get hit Right, yeah, and 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 you you said the magic word, yeah. You you were looking for that kind of rotation, yep. and looking for those stocks that are near new highs that haven't gotten hit too hard mm-hmm. uh, in this volatile market because that money's going somewhere. It, it's going out of those cloud stocks, except yep. profit point or proof point. Yeah, right. Uh, but uh, it's going into some of these others, and some of these industrial companies are are the beneficiary of where that money's going. When things kind of get a little bit more volatile or get a little bit more risky, that money tends to go into a little bit more quote unquote safer type type of investments. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, some of the big funds, they can't just pull the money like we can, yes. right? We can yes. go to cash, other people can't, or other people with mandates and investors. So um, yeah, who knows? We'll see if TTC gets some, uh, gets some rotation here uh, coming up. And what's interesting about TTC also is uh, in the April quarter, they had negative three percent on earnings per share basis and in the July quarter it jumped to 22 percent wow big jump. and then the sales April quarter 10 percent July 28 percent so apparently someone's looking for some landscape do a lot of landscaping that's right that. yeah. business is uh, pretty pretty good for these guys at least in the the last quarter so those are three stocks that uh, you want to keep an eye on remember this market is volatile and so if there is a rotation you want to look at some of those stocks that are forming bases you know, and let the market tell you what to do. In the end, if you truly listen to the market, it's going to lead you in that right direction. Thanks, Evan, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we will have Jim Ropel, a hedge fund manager, longtime IBD customer, and also featured in a number of investing books, too. He has a great story on how he became good at investing using our strategy. And so you definitely want to tune in. I'm Arusha Pierce, and thanks for listening. 
And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decision.